Good morning, 11 o'clock service. Woo, you guys, you guys have better dance moves than a 9 a.m. I'm just gonna say that. If you usually come to nine, I'm sorry, but 11 o'clock are the dancers. I'm Amanda, my name's Amanda Anderson. This is my home church. I've been here for 18 years since I got married. I have two kids, they're awesome. They're 10 years old in fifth grade and I have an eighth grader who is not here right now, so I get to let it all hang out a little bit more because she's not watching. You guys can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm gonna refer to a couple things you can find on there and I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, I'm here to do our second series, our, amateur, our second week of our amateur series. You can follow me on Instagram to find out more about our amateur series. But if you were here last week, be there for me please. I'm gonna ask you the first question. Amateur is what? In it for what? Anybody remember? An amateur is in it for love. So we talked about three things an amateur is. The first is an amateur is someone who does something because they love it. They're motivated by love. Not because they get paid for it. Not because they get endorsements for it. They just do it because they love it. Second, an amateur maybe is not very what? Good. An amateur is not very good at it necessarily. An amateur maybe doesn't know what they're doing yet. They're inexperienced. They're unskilled. We watched some videos last week of some amateur people running into each other and hitting each other in the head, right? And then we also talked about an amateur athlete. An amateur athlete doesn't get what? Paid. An amateur athlete doesn't get paid. But an amateur athlete still works hard, trains hard to do what they love, right? We just saw up on the screen one of my favorite movies from the 80s. It's Chariots of Fire. It's about running. I don't know why I always talk about running. I hate to run, I hate it. I am firmly on team elephant legs. <laughs> Elephants, elephant legs like to, you know, they like maybe to dance, but they don't like to run. So yeah, I don't like to run. So pull out your Bibles and some notes. We're gonna, um, can someone hand me a Bible actually? Oh, here's one. I found one, because we're going to start talking about the Bible today, and we're going to start with the beginning. And in the beginning, the first page of the Bible, you don't have to turn to it, it says, in the beginning, God did what? Anybody know? God created. In the beginning, God created. He created the heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the light, the dark, the animals, and the people. He created man in his own image. He created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them in his own image. That's what Genesis says at the very beginning. Now, what does that mean that he created them in his own image? He doesn't say that about people, I mean about animals. He says it only about people. He created them in their own image. Anybody know what that means? I want to guess out there. Do you have your hand up? Yeah. They look like him. That's an interesting thought. Maybe we look like it. Maybe God's got two legs and two arms. Maybe. Um, I think it means that we are, get ready, I am not a muskrat and neither are you. That's what it means. I'm not a muskrat and neither are you. Here's what a muskrat looks like. There's a muskrat. Is he cute? He's kind of cute. Okay. But what it says that God created us in his image, it means that we are not animals. We are different somehow than the animals. As human beings, we are more like God than a muskrat is. Why am I talking about a muskrat? Well, because I love to read. 
One of my favorite books that I read growing up were the Little House on the Prairie books. Anybody read Little House on the Prairie? Can I get a shout out to any of the guys read Little House on the Prairie? So in Little House on the Prairie, in one of them, Pa, the dad, and Laura are walking through the prairie, and they come across a muskrat house. And it looks like a beaver's dam, like a little, like an igloo made out of mud and grass. And Pa says, oh, no, it's going to be a terribly hard winter because the muskrat has built, like, really thick walls, which means the muskrat has instincts that God gave him that told him it's going to be cold. And Laura's like, well, how come we don't have instincts? Like, why don't we know it's going to be cold? And Pa says, well, we're better than that. We are created in God's image. We can build any kind of house we want. Like, hmm, I'm thinking, hmm. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. A muskrat, he said, every muskrat in the world builds a house that looks exactly like this. But people can build any kind of house they want. We are made in God's image that we have free choices and we are creative. You might go, you know, I'm not really creative. I'm not like a crafty person. I don't paint. I don't like to sew. I don't, you know, have a glue gun. I'm not crafty. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that God is the creator God, you created in his image means, by definition, you are creative. And one of the things that God is, is that he is motivated by love. God is an amateur in the first sense, and he makes creation because of love. And he comes to us because of love. Turn to page 973 in your Bible. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the stories of Jesus' life. You might remember from past weeks we've talked about that Jesus is smart and tricky. And there are a lot of teachers of the law out there, and they want to trick Jesus and prove that he doesn't know what he's talking about. And they ask him all kinds of questions. In Matthew, they're coming up to Jesus, and they're saying to him, hey, they're going to ask him, what kind of teacher are you? Here's the law. This is how, about how big the law is in the Bible, okay? It's like this big section of the Bible is the law. Here's the law. And I want to know, Jesus, which part of the law do you say is the most important? That was called their yoke. The, the rabbi's yoke was, these are the commandments. I'm going to tell you, if you follow me, that's what you have to carry. That's your yoke. Those are my commandments. So they said, okay, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, one of the kinds of religious leaders, the Pharisees got together, and one of them asked him this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? In the law, this big book, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So religious people, like the Pharisees, are always going to say that following God, being religious, is about following Laws. It's about how good are you? How well can you follow the rules? But Jesus is always going to bring it back to love. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to say, what I want from you, what my father wants from you, I want you to love me. I want you to love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I want you to love other people. This tells me something about God. The first thing it tells me is that God kind of better be lovable. He better be awesome. He's not saying, and I love that what he wants me to do is love him. He doesn't say, can you please be perfect? Here's the rules, and I will come to a review in a month and see how you're doing. He says, 
Love me with your heart, mind, and soul. And then he says, love other people. And last week we talked about an amateur follows Jesus and the yoke is light because following God and loving him is supposed to not be a, a horrible, hard thing. Now, loving our neighbors, maybe a little bit harder. Anybody say, think it's a little hard to love other people? Raise your hand if you have someone that sort of feels a little unlovable in your life. Yeah, oh, someone said their sister. That makes me sad. You have a good opportunity. I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to point you out in the crowd. Can we get the next slide, please? Um, so God is going to challenge us by saying, I want you to love other people. He's going to bring us back to love, and that is one of the ways that we're created in God's image. God loves difficult people, and he figures out how to do it. I want to ask you, if I gave you this present for Christmas, would you feel loved? Can we get that picture? Are we having slide problems? Would you feel loved if you got this present for Christmas? Okay, raise your hand. Yeah, I feel totally loved if I get the bunny onesie. There are so many guys that want the bunny onesie. I'm really, that's just how, I don't know, progressive of you. Okay, so that, how many of you would not feel loved if you got the bunny onesie? Yeah, okay, a couple of you. So we know that, like, loving other people takes creativity. you got to figure them out. How many of you, if you're having a bad week, and I heard out, you know, you, your, your best friend's mad at you or something, and, and I sent you this picture or put it on your Instagram, sent it to you through Instagram if you would like it. Next slide here. If it would make you feel happy. Would that make you feel better? Yeah. A big hug just for you. I was talking to Jeremy um, a couple weeks ago, and he said that his spiritual gift is YouTube. You know, he, he knows how to make you guys love through YouTube. Maybe, maybe that's your creative spiritual gift. Um, here's the thing. Uh, we need to figure out loving God, loving people, we get to learn how to do it our way. We get to learn how to do it in a creative and free way because we're amateurs. One of the ways we love God is by bringing him glory. You ever heard to say, we're going to bring God glory? We bring God glory by loving him, by loving who he made us to be. We bring God glory by being who God made us to be. One of the ways God made me to be is I am a very good dancer. My children do not agree, but I really enjoy dancing. I really feel like I bring joy to the world when I dance. I go to Zumba class uh, with a lot of other moms, and I do things like this. And I, do, and I do a little bit of this. And, I, and sometimes I'm having so much fun that I am facing the wrong way. You know, I'm not going to make you watch the back of me while I dance. Um, you, yeah, I agree. And one day I was having so much fun and believing so that I was just loving how God made me and I was dancing that the women behind me tapped me on the shoulder and they said, you're a really good dancer. I said, thank you. I went home. I told my husband, some ladies in class told me I was a really good dancer. And he said, how old were they? Okay, I know, you know, but that's okay. I am bringing glory to God through my dancing. They were in their 60s, and I'm, you know, I don't know if that means, that's way older than me. One other way that I love, one thing I love to do, I think I bring glory to God through creativity, through sewing. I told you guys I love to sew. I know, I'm now the dorkiest person in the world because I did this, and I like to sew. You can check out my Instagram post today to see some of the things that I sewed, but I love to sew, and I think when I finish something, I'm like, this is cool that God gave me this ability to do this. And I found that God uses even 
the silly things we think are not a spiritual thing to bring him glory. I have um, some friends that are in a, in a sewing group, and we would get together and sew. We would go away for the weekend, and we would just sit around with our sewing machines and sew together. And one of my friends and I, she didn't know Jesus at the time, but she was interested, and we just started talking about Jesus while we're sewing. And through me and some other people sharing with her about Jesus, she came to believe in Jesus. And last summer, she went to Rwanda with her teenage daughter to serve the poor in Jesus' name. How cool is that? And part of that came through me liking to sew. What kind of things are you guys good at? Shout out some stuff you're good at. Okay, I didn't get any of that. Raise your hand. Being something good at making jello, I think that guy said. What did you say? What What are you good at? Flag football? Right here? Computers? Yeah, go ahead. The playing the piano? Yeah. With the glasses. Video games. All right. Bring the glory to God through gaming. I, it's probably possible. Okay, so I've heard things like in the last couple services, you were great at singing, dancing, taekwondo, playing soccer, computer, pro, per, computer programming. And I believe that God wants to take what you are good at to bring him glory. Tell people about Jesus and love others. That video we watched before is from a movie called Chariots of Fire. And in it, there's an amazing guy. It's a true story. Amazing Scottish man named Eric Little. He was an Olympic runner, and he was a brilliant runner. But he was raised in a very religious family in Scotland who were all planning on going into the mission field in China. And in the movie, we, they talk about he and his sister have a conversation, and his sister is upset with him for delaying his um, journey to the mission field because he's going to run in the Olympics. And he tells her, I believe that God made me for a purpose to send me to China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right, it's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Eric Little was a very spiritual guy. He loved Jesus so much that he didn't believe it was right to run on the Sabbath day on Sunday. So when he went to the Olympics, he didn't get to run his best race because it was on a Sunday. He ran his second best race to the glory of God. And everyone knew that that was the reason that he wouldn't run on Sunday was because he loved Jesus and he wanted to honor Jesus. And he ran his second best race, and he broke the world record, and he got a gold medal. And to this day, that was in the 1940s, people still talk about his amazing example because he was a runner. But my favorite thing about that is that he felt that God was pleased as he ran. He felt that God was pleased. And if he didn't run, he would hold God in contempt. Raise your hand. Does anyone know what it means to hold someone in contempt? Right here. Disappointing someone or making someone not happy. Anybody else want to take us? Go ahead. Making them wait. Those are all really good answers. It actually means to actually hate and disregard something. So if you hold someone in contempt, you say, that thing you gave me, I reject it. So he's saying to not run, to not do the thing that God made me good at would be to hold God in contempt. There are things that you are good at 
that make you happy to do, do them because I believe they make God happy. And we can thank God for what we're good at. It isn't prideful to say I'm good at this because who gave you the ability? Who gave you the ability? God. God's the one that gives you your, your intellect, your rhythm in my case, your ability to run fast. He, you bring him glory by, by living out the thing he made you good at. We're going to turn back into the Bible to Exodus, and I want to tell you a story that I misunderstood when I was your age, and I want to make sure that you understand it better than I did. If you turn to page 58, we're going to read about Moses in Exodus 4, page 58 of your Bible. So I'm not going to assume you know this story. I'm going to tell you a little bit from the beginning. So God had his chosen people, the Jews, and the Jews were now living in captivity in Egypt. Pharaoh was the king, Egypt was the richest country, and the Jews had become their slaves. At one point, Pharaoh was worried about the Jews getting too powerful, so he said that all the Jewish men were to, uh, babies were be murdered. One man, Moses, was born, and he was put in a basket, floated down the river, and rescued by a princess in the Pharaoh's, in the Pharaoh's court, and he was raised there. But even though he was raised with Pharaoh, he knew he was Jewish and he loved the Jewish people so much, kind of a bad amateur move, he saw a slave, a Jewish slave being beaten and he murdered the guy who was beating him. So he had so much passion for his people. Probably not the best way to handle it. That was bad. Moses was sent out into the desert and at that point, God came to him and said, I am choosing you to go back into Egypt and to save the two million of my people who are are enslaved in Egypt. And I'm going to make you go and talk to Pharaoh, and you're going to free my people. And this is what Moses says. Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I am not very good with words. I have never been. And I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Like, I made you, Moses. If I tell you to speak, you can do it. Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. So God gives him his cousin Aaron to speak for him, but Moses still has to go. He still has to go stand before Pharaoh, but he doesn't get to be the one that talks. And I read that story, and I thought, okay, spiritual lesson. When God calls me, I will know it's God because he will ask me to do something I don't want to do. Is that true? Is that how we know that it's God calling us to do something? Because God is going to ask me to do what I hate. He's going to send me somewhere I don't want to go. He's going to ask me to do something that I don't know how to do. I realize now at 40 that I misunderstood that story. That is not what happened in that story. God will most often call you to do something about which you have love and passion. He will most likely send you to a place that you care about doing something that you like to do. Will it be difficult? Yes, it will be difficult. Does God ask us to do hard things? Yes, sometimes. Does he ask us to love people we sometimes don't want to love? Sometimes, yes, he does. Will we be tired and will we need God's spirit because he is asking us to do something difficult? Yes, we will. 
I'm up here speaking in front of you, and I love it. This illustration only works if you think I'm doing a good job, so I'm going out on a limb. When God started to ask me to teach moms, and I travel all over California teaching moms, I thought, that really sounds like fun. So that's probably not what God's calling me to do. And then I realized, no, God is calling me to do something about which I have love and passion and ability. And that is what I believe he does for you, too. I want to look at Moses for a second. Was Moses really ill-equipped? No. What did Moses do? He murdered someone. He had such passion for the Jews. Was that an amateur move? Yes, it was. Not a good move. But it showed that God said, I see your passion for my people, and I will use that passion for my people. I see that I have trained you up in Pharaoh's courts, and you know how to speak to the king because you were raised in his house. So God will call you as an amateur into something, hopefully, that you already know a little bit how to do. Next slide, please. An amateur is in it for love. In this way, we are like God. We love because God first loved us. We are not muskrats with instinct. We are human beings with the dignity to love God and other people. We love our neighbors as ourselves, and we do it creatively. We do it with what we have, and we love how God made us. We celebrate how God made us. I love our worship team. I love to watch them. I think they are celebrating how God made them. I love watching Alex jump up and down and spin around. I think he is enjoying how God made him when he does that, and he brings God glory. That Our drummer, was he am- is he amazing? Like, do you think he's having fun banging on those drums? He is. It's fun. It can be fun and powerful and exciting to serve God. You think I'm having fun up here right now? I am having fun. Am I going to go home and fall asleep and drool because I am stinking exhausted from doing this and I'm a, a little bit afraid that you don't think I'm funny and you're not listening? Yes, I am a little afraid of that. But I am grateful that God has called me to do something that I enjoy. We can write our own version of the Shema, of loving the Lord our God with all our heart. And we can write our own version of how we want to love our neighbors because God has given you that dignity as an amateur made in his image. The big idea, write this down. The big idea. Amateurs are motivated by what they love just like God. And like God, we can express love in ways that are creative and unique. God will call you to what you love, not what you hate. Let me pray over you this morning. Father God, we thank you that you call us to love you because you are lovable. You are lovable. You are good and kind and gracious, and you have a purpose. I believe that you have called these students for a purpose. And you have also made them fast and smart and creative and great singers. And that is a really funny sound. (laughs) Lord, I just ask that you would help them as they move into their life to enjoy how you made them, Lord. To not hold their gifts in contempt, but to say thank you, God, for who you made me to be. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.